like bro i was recording in iraq really bro, we built a booth <laughs> we built no a booth way. listen we built <laughs> we built a booth bro no and we took we way. took bed mattresses <laughs> we took bed mattresses out of the other out of the other beds and then we like placed them inside of the booth so that way we can like sound soundproof yeah. really and look Damn. The only thing was the mic that we used was garbage. We used like one of the little headset uh, microphones, gotcha. and, and we we recorded in Fruity Loops. I didn't even know we could do it, bro. Y'all MacGyvered yo, the fuck out of that on a Sony Vio. That is the realest on a Sony story Vio. I've ever heard. Damn yeah. on a Sony Vio, bro. Y'all was recording sixteen in Iraq. God, you know what I'm saying. Damn, yo, literally. Can, I mean, not too that many is, people can say that. Yeah, it, that's seriously probably some of the hardest shit I've <laughs> heard. I got like, it's, it's, look, if you look on my Facebook, bro, there's pictures. You you like you'll see some of the pictures of like the booth and everything, bro. Oh, like, that's crazy. Like, I mean, y'all people want to talk about street cred, right? God damn, <laughs> I was in Iraq. <laughs> I'm just saying, bar. <laughs> We're so happy that you downloaded. <laughs> Yo, 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 what's going on out there, world? How we doing and shit? Welcome to Steezy's Trap House. This is your boy, Steezy. I can hear the rumblings of thunder above me, and that does not sound good when you have multiple, multiple units of electronic equipment running all at once. It's a very scary thing. Very scary thing. So let's just hope that this goes out the way that it should. I'm hoping that the power doesn't fucking cut off or anything along those lines, because... Would it be the first time that it's happened over here? And that would not be good. Not be good. This is your boy, Steez. It is show number 210. We out in this bitch, if you didn't know. It's a beautiful Sunday night. Not so beautiful with the thunder coming in anymore. But, you know, there's beauty in everything. There's beauty in rain, and there's beauty in shorting out your hard drive. and Everything, when the thunder hits the house, in the middle of doing a podcast, and you had no idea, and it fucks everything up. All that being said, it, it's okay. We're still doing this fucking thing. It is your boy, Steezy. We did not discuss with my friend here that I'm about to introduce what I should introduce him by right before the show. That was the last thing I realized as I hit the intro music. A little too eager, you know? Yes, yes. And this is exactly as I was, as, as I was explaining to you before. This is when I do this live, you know, I can't, I can't just stop and turn around and be like, that thunder sounds ominous, does it not? A little bit. It's a little comforting. Is it comforting? Depending on who you are, you know? Okay. If you had, uh, let's say you were editing a lot of photos on a PC, not on your laptop, on a PC, or, you know, a, an iMac, if you will, would you be as comforted in that sense of things? You know, it's almost stoic because I've had my hard drive wiped before. Um, I still don't mind the thunder and all that. I just, uh, you know... I, I can't miss out on a rainy day, you know, it just it's a blessing, you know? Fair enough. <laughs> that thunder is getting really serious, not gonna lie. Anyway, so we have to discuss now how we should refer to you as, because I don't know if you'd like me to refer to you as your actual name, your Instagram no, 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 name, no. whatever you would like. I don't so. mind doing my own introduction, what's going on. This is Hasib, aka Seeb. Instagram name is Seeb Sensei. Some people just call me Sensei. 
I prefer sleep though in, in casual conversation. Most definitely. Yes, yes. Please shout out your social media and whatnot. Even though you just did, but tell yeah, people I mean, where you, you know, can find pr- your primarily content. just my website is sleepsensei.com or my Instagram is sleep.sensei. That's it really. Yes, and that is spelled S E E B. Yep, and sensei sensei. For you peeps out there. You can find the show personally on social media. Instagram at STH Show, Twitter at Steezy Trap House, Facebook. Steezy's Trap House, like our page. Join our Facebook group. It's called STH Show as well. You can also subscribe to the show on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, those lovely services. Give us a five-star review while you're there. Support the show with our Amazon link. They kick us back some money anytime you buy some shit from Amazon, and it doesn't cost you anything extra, which is beautiful because it's win-win for everybody. Like, you're already going to buy shit on Amazon. It doesn't fucking matter. Use our link Bookmark that shit in your browser so you don't even have to think about it. You can buy a Represent t-shirt if you'd like to support the show that way. We get pennies on the dime for that. Just absolute pennies. Haven't even seen a real check from them in months. So, you know, whatever. Just buy a t-shirt and say that you're actually supporting us. We have no idea if you are or not. And you can also... What's the last thing I was going to say? Oh, yeah. Send an email to us if you'd like to have a question answered on the show. Steezy's Trap House at gmail.com. Or you can take it the new fangled technology route and record a voice message on your phone. Ship it over to us via email at Steezy's Trap House at gmail.com. We will play your voice message on the show, answer whatever bullshit question you have to ask, and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, and send an email to us if you would like any free stickers. I will mail them to you if you give me your address. Faux free. You're a hard worker. I am a hard worker. I try to I try to make things as free as possible here, so I make zero money from doing this whatsoever. No, but you got to put a price on yourself. You know, you don't don't sell yourself too short. Exactly. I mean, that's this is where I rope them in. I rope them in. I get them uh, involved, <laughs> and then when they're all involved and they really really love what I'm doing, that's when I flip the switch and I change. And I'm like, all right, my day ones, I don't give a fuck about y'all. All y'all are paying me now. <laughs> No, not really. Day ones, I got y'all, but uh, anybody else? No. no. They need to know. Episode 210, by the way, congrats. And I mean, just looking at this lineup of people you've had, which I am humbled to be a part of. You know, hey. I'm still wondering how I ended up here. Hey, hey, it's no... I mean, we're, we're, we're going to chat about why you were here, <laughs> sir. The, the man's got vision, sir. <laughs> Sirs and, and sirettes at home. The man has, the man has vision. Uh, I had to ask... Because I'm not sure specifically, but I think this is the first thing that I learned about you when we met in New York. Mm-hmm. You're not from Florida originally. Um, no, it's a, it's kind of a long, drawn-out travel history. I was actually born in a country called, uh, well, I would say Qatar, but it's called, you know, in, in, in English terms, it's Qatar is what it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Richest pun- country by per capita yep. in the world, if you want to look at it that way. Next um, next host of the next World Cup. In yeah, that's too. Twenty twenty. Yeah. So you are familiar. Um, or excuse me, twenty twenty two. My bad. Yeah, the next next one. So my father did a lot of work there, and that's where I ended up being born. My family's originally from Pakistan, so most of my cultural background and knowledge is from Pakistan, and not exactly where I was born. Word. The funny thing is, uh, a lot of the Arab countries they're a little bit more cynical when it comes to giving out benefits and citizenships like that. They like to keep their. It, it sounds mean, but like. They like to keep their, their culture pure. So they don't like to have businesses given out to people who are not born there and things like that. So um, that's sort of why we moved to the United States. So when I first came here, when I was around five years old, I lived in New York, you know, the, the you know where immigrants go back then. 
And from there, it was a, a little struggle of where we could live, where we could eat, where we could have a job and go to school and things like that. So, you know, I even did like half a year in Hawaii because I had a family there. So we did oh, that shit. for half a year. Damn. Wait, and so so do you not remember that much from Cutter then? No, I don't remember much anything except it was really hot. <laughs> <laughs> have you been back since then? Or no, not? no, no. I, I really don't have any reason to go back there. Gotcha. That was more just like a, a chapter in my father's history that I was just a part of. Gotcha. Um, but most of my family's in Pakistan. You know, we have property there and we're pretty, you know, established over there. Word. And then, you know, it was here, New York, Hawaii, and then finally Florida, you know. Gotcha. And I've been in Florida since I was in like third grade. So a long time, long time. Damn, son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What borough did you start out in New York before we get to Florida? We lived in Queens. How was Flushing, Queen- Queens. How was Queens around that time, man? It was not good. It was, it was, we didn't have a really great quality of life there. You know, we barely had furniture in the house and things like that. It, it's very tough to come here without anything pretty much, you know? Yep. Uh, one, a story that my dad tells me is that, you know, his first taxi ride, he overpaid the guy because he just didn't know how the money worked. You know, it's understandable because you just come to a new place. Mm-hmm. You don't know how much milk costs, how much bread costs, you know, how much a gallon of gas is and things like that. The basics. Yeah. yeah so we really came here without any knowledge or predisposition. But we, we did have family who's been here and education quality was obviously important. So that's one of the major reasons why I was here. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy, man. It is, it is. So it was how many years in New York then? About three, and then uh, half a year in Hawaii, and then the rest up until present. I'm only like 23. Gotcha. Uh, in Florida. How was the brief stint in Hawaii then? It was it was horrible. <laughs> Nobody talks about. Okay, everybody likes to fantasize and fetishize about Hawaii, but living there is a nightmare because everything is so expensive. Really? They have to import everything. Oh, I the guess that makes sense. Taxes are pretty crazy too. You know, like. I would remember my parents complaining about how much things cost. And even now today when I asked them that. But I do remember going to school there and the teachers were so mean. And it was like a, a private school, but not really a private school. So I, I, if anybody ever asked me like if they should move there, my obvious answer is no, never. You that know? almost makes me think of that school that Earl Sweatshirt got shipped off to when he was younger. Oh, yeah? Uh, something along those lines. I think it was in Hawaii. It was either in Hawaii or Guam or some shit. And it was something along those lines, like some private-ish school where the people were really fucking mean there. Yeah, I don't know why they, they all the overseas U.S. places follow that system where it's just like a weird, you know, they want to be a private school, but they're really not. And in the end, the kids suffer, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting to think about just because I've never been to Hawaii and every inclination people have of it is everybody's super happy-go-lucky. Yeah, it's paradise island life. Paradise yeah. on Earth. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it, it's very not that way when you live there. And and I guess Florida is another metaphor, but more of a relaxed one of that same, um, I guess, example. You, living here is not as glamorous as visiting, right? Yeah. Uh, a, lot, a lot of foreign people, their, their recollection of visiting Florida was, you know, it was paradise. I got my kids went to Disney. I went to the beach, palm trees, it's warm summer and all that. But living here is not that easy. You know what I mean? No. Uh, holding down the job, there's not that many permanent for the foreseeable future places that you could actually put bread on the table with a lot of people have to resort to you know 10 dollar 11 hour jobs which is great if you're in high school but you have a wife and kids that's a nightmare exactly it's a whole different story yeah absolutely it's, it's crazy how the situation happens with florida most definitely because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know you you see just especially us being in orlando we see so much of the traffic coming in from other states from other countries yeah. things along those lines so we see it firsthand all the time even though we may not necessarily be out on I drive, we we are still bumping heads with all of those tourists and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just crazy to think about like the 
the times I've had in Florida are not necessarily the most happy-go-lucky, that, yeah. that is to say. I'm sure you struggle just like everybody else does. Oh, well. hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. So, shouts out to Hawaii. Apparently hard as fuck to live there, too. <laughs> it's not just all spam sandwiches and smiles over there. Apparently not. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you moved to Orlando right after Hawaii then? or uh, Well, somewhere I, I stayed else in, in Kissimmee, really. So, which is Orlando. It yeah. basically is Orlando. It's, gotcha. Uh, I guess the original intention when they built that whole thing was like the suburbs of Orlando. Gotcha. And it operates like that to this day, you know? Most definitely. Um, but yeah, yeah, most of my life. How was the how was the Kissimmee upbringing? Because I'm a Northern Florida boy. So Kissimmee I- is very relaxed because it, it has like uh, it doesn't want to let go of its country roots. It absolutely does not. Hmm. You know, it's not that far from Saint Cloud, which is what everybody r- knows about. You know, and uh, they very much stick to. They even they still do bull ridings and things like that at the at the Silver Spurs Arena in, in Kissimmee yearly. You know. It's just the, the, they're really strong about their heritage. Where Orlando's sort of like, I don't want to say selling out, but Orlando is moving towards the corporate way, which is which what it's supposed to do. You know, that's just yep. natural law. Definitely. But Kissimmee does not want to let go of that, even though the property values are going up and, you know, jobs are, you got, yeah, they're more uh, specialized where you're going to have to have the certifications and things like that to live there. But, you know, it, 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 that's the thing about Kissimmee. It has like sort of this sort of quality to it. Which is, is good, if, I guess, if you like the quiet life or you like a, a more quiet life compared to Orlando. But, you know, I guess it's not that great for young people. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everything has its pros and cons. I, Absolutely. I grew up in a rural area in northern Florida, you know, like 10, 10 minutes away from Alabama state lines. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that I wanted to do was go to some type of larger, not even necessarily like serious metropolis yeah, yeah, yeah. or metropolitan area or whatever. But no, I wanted something a little more fast paced than my entire life which had been right next to alabama you know Mm -hmm. that's as slow as it gets you know mentally and physically but uh (laughs) it's a part of growing up you don't really know what you want until like you lose it so if you did live in some let's say new york or jersey or i don't know la that that life would get to you you would feel you would feel constricted you would get the headaches of and the stress and oh yeah you you would fantasize about you know your old days back in Kissimmee, orlando where things are quiet you could just go for a walk and not have to worry about all the other shit it's it's funny you say that my original plan was to only be here for so many years and then to move up to new york and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because the first couple times i went to new york i was immediately in love you know i'm seeing all of my skateboarding friends out there uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. they're living the fucking skater life doing their thing and what you don't realize is every other facet of life that comes with living in new york mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and as i've gotten older the idea of me living in New York has slowly, slowly, yeah. slowly faded away. As time goes by, it seems less and less ideal. It's it's not as practical as I would think. Like Absolutely. I can go there and visit all the time living in cheap ass Florida. Like mm-hmm. I can I can have a lovely uh cost of living here that I can build up money to go visit New York and other uh-huh. places all the time. But if I was to live in New York, all my money would be going directly towards bills <laughs> all the time non-stop yeah i know I, I get that feeling too you know when you're you're on instagram or whatever and you see all these cool events going on there you get that fear of missing out oh i'm not li- living life mm-hmm. you know, i should move to somewhere where everything is going on but it's not that simple exactly and it's, it's, it's probably not what you want exactly yeah man so i, I think we're i think we're both set we're, we're both pretty good over we're okay we're, we're, but the thing is if we're going to continue on this path we're going to outgrow this area Oh, most definitely. So it's like, you know, the decision time is coming soon. Yeah, which is crazy to think about because you're, you're younger than me. And I didn't even realize that you're that much younger than me. So it's Yeah, like, I know, the beard and then everything makes me look a lot you've already You've already got the, the ideas floating around, though. You've, you're trying to make moves. Oh, I mean, uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. My, 
my parents, you know, they they growing me up, they I mean raising me, it was it was instilled to me not to be too stagnant and to think of the bigger picture and things like that. So you know, I, I was never a big partier and, and going out and much things like that. I, I tried to keep myself busy as much as I can. Gotcha. But it's no matter what anybody helps you do or how they raise you, it's still on yourself, you know, because I don't know what moves I should make that are the right moves. I don't know what ideas I should, you know, put on paper or what I should scratch. You know, it's it's not that easy. But you know, I, I definitely an upbringing like that definitely has made me who I am today. I feel that because I was going to say when we met in New York, I could definitely see the work ethic about you. Uh-huh. You're constantly like scanning environments and everything, <laughs> just looking for... That's what I was saying at the start of this episode, people. The man's got the vision. He got the eye. And I, I mean that because, like, literally, <laughs> you were just constantly looking at everything nonstop, sizing everything up. <laughs> uh, did that start from, like, a young age or... Yeah, I was very quiet, you know, and I still am. I just... I, I like to be reserved and I like to watch, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, I definitely feel that. Um, So, uh, you know, it's more like... What, what sort of skills would I can do that can fall in line with that? You know, photography is it's a good thing for that. Most definitely. But I don't know. It, it's just this is how I am. You know, my comfort. I'm never really uncomfortable in, in any situation because I can just be quiet and just be reserved. And I that, feel that I can live in my head if that makes sense. Yep. But it, it's a good and bad thing because you know that, that makes me not a great networker. I'm not really in your face. And you know, we were just talking about this earlier. Yep. It's kind of like my Achilles heel where. I can't really go up to somebody. And when I say I can't, I don't mean comfort-wise. I just mean it just doesn't work for me to just go in front of somebody and explain who I am right there. And then I like to be the person before I am a skill or a position. To exactly. Like that. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely something that I still do nowadays whenever I'm introducing myself to somebody. I don't go up to somebody all the time and like introduce myself as Steez straight yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Like I had to introduce myself as my real name. And my nickname or whatever. Like, hey, most people know me by this, but I do have an actual, you know, I am an actual person. It's it's Absolutely. not just this other bullshit that you may have heard about before. Like, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. this is me. And then I do this other thing, too. You yeah, know? absolutely. I think it should always be secondary. I think the person should always come first. Exactly. And I mean, that, that'll help you in no matter what field you're in, in create, creatively or in school or in, 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 you know, you're climbing the corporate ladder. You got to be the person before you are the the position you know i I totally vibe with that Mm -hmm. and people might think it's a completely different thing for me personally because i do a podcast which is something where i'm literally talking for an hour to two hours at a time and what they don't realize like in public you know i'm not necessarily that same person this is a nice little secluded place where we can we can get to know other people Mm -hmm. and have our Mm -hmm. own Mm -hmm. nice little conversations and i'm out in public you know i just kind of want to no, I, I can relate to that. Kind of want to do me. <laughs> the mics, the computers, the the, the speakers, and everything. It, I feel like as soon as we started, you put on a different hat, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it's you're a, still the same person, but we're we're at a different level all of a sudden. Exactly. There's you're di- more you're more outspoken. You know, your your chest is more puffed. I feel like. Too. Yes, there's <laughs> definitely a different focus here in the you know in the room. I would say. No, I can appreciate that. Really. Sometimes you. I mean, it took a while to kind of learn that shit, though. You know, you have to you have to understand where you're at at all times. You have to understand mm-hmm. your environment and the people sure. you're with. Um, I mean, in the in the past, you know, I like to be like the person who was offending people and all kinds of uh, saying outlandish okay. shit in mm-hmm, the past, mm-hmm. you know, which I still do, but not necessarily to the degree of what I did before. I'm not out trying to fucking troll people or whatever. That wasn't you, right? That's what you figured out. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, like I, I definitely ventured back and 
like you were saying, like took more of the reserved, uh, more of the reserved way of, of talking with people in public and things mm-hmm. along those lines. I do a lot more observing in public than I do actually putting myself out there. That thunder is getting close. <laughs> I can't, I don't know if you could hear it, but I can hear the buzzing. That's I mean, from, you got your surge protector plugged in. I and do have the surge protector <laughs> plugged in, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. We'll, we'll figure it out. Hopefully, you know, things, uh, things go well. But anyway, so what were you like as a kid then? Well, what were you into as a kid? Like interests, hobbies, and oh, shit. Man. Okay, uh, hobbies. I did like to play outside a lot. I didn't have a game system until maybe like the PS2. <laughs> I wasn't the kid who had the Nintendo 64 memories and all yes, that. Yes. I think my uncle had like a Sega Genesis, and I played that a little bit. See, I'm glad that you brought this up. This has been so recurring lately on this show. Like this theme of just kind of like this generation of uh-huh. us, like. The, the generation beneath us, they're definitely not the kids that are playing outside all the time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're kind of that, that last vestige of kids that right before the huge technology wave hit, technology uh-huh. was still around there for us. Sure, sure. But we still had parents that kind of understood the importance of turn that shit off, go outside, go do something, be mm-hmm, active. Mm-hmm. I can understand that sentiment, though, but I, I, I don't take that position where I look... I look down on the kids that that play their their iPads and stuff all day Mm -hmm. because I don't know. I I like kids a lot, you know, and when I talk to some of them, the young, the really young ones nowadays, they're very quick. They're very sharp. I mean, I I know as a kid, I wasn't that sharp. No way. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I I, it's easy to make fun of them because they're they're inside and on their iPads and all that shit. But they it's working to their benefit. These kids are going to outgrow us. I see the pros and the cons always of of Mm -hmm. everything, you know, because my little eight-year-old nephew, this motherfucker is programming already. Like, like programming. It's it's just typical nowadays. It's crazy, yeah. And that's, I mean, the way that he's talking at eight years old and the things that he's talking about, I don't think that I was like that when I was eight years old. I I almost get jealous, a little insecure. Like, damn, I wish I was that poppy when I was a kid. But then it's also, I see the cons of that situation with mm-hmm. him specifically, too, mm-hmm. because he doesn't necessarily go outside as much as he'd like to um, just because of, you know, other variables in the situation as well. But he doesn't go outside a lot. Mm-hmm. And he was staying with my, my parents, uh, which would be his grandparents, you know, the other day for like a month. And he was saying to them, he's just like, yeah, like they had him going to summer camp and all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, like I, I don't get to do any of this stuff back home. Like. This is so awesome, blah, blah. Oh, okay, and it's yeah. just like, mm. so you kind of see like, you know, I understand like him putting all of that energy into programming and whatnot. And that's obviously going to, that's going to, you know, pan out amazingly for him in the future. But then there's also this part of him that just really wants to just get rid of that energy in a natural little kid way. So it's like, I always see pros and cons of every situation with mm-hmm. that. But the reality of the situation is this is where society is going to like they have to they have to they have to understand these things from a young age they're gonna get left behind exactly like most people i mean honestly before i started doing the podcast i didn't have any social media or anything like that i was (laughs) off the grid flip Uh phone man no yeah i mean facebook was pretty cool but social media wise i think i don't even have a twitter i don't even know how that works (laughs) yeah that's a whole fucking thing that i just don't necessarily care about too much i think that goes hand in hand with networking because you have to be a certain way on even social media oh yeah and again I don't, i'm not that person oh yeah i don't it, like to cloud chase or yes man or anything like that it hurts me every time i make a post for this show trust me no mm. I, know, I know how you feel I, when i first launched my website i was dreading like oh here's my website you know that shit's kind of lame but yep. you have to do yep. that 
You, like you, have fe- to do you that. feel fucking corny, like yeah, mad you do. corny. <laughs> I, I find it very difficult to present myself in, in a in a way that makes me comfortable. I feel that it's very tough, and you can't just you can't cut it by just posting content anymore. It doesn't work like that. Nope. Because there's so many people, even in your area, that are doing exactly what you do. Yep. And to to get that edge, that even if you're a better person in real life, it's not going to translate onto the screen. You know exactly. So you were saying you were outside a lot as a kid. Like, what type of activities were you getting into? I played basketball like every single day. Oh <laughs> yes, I was into oh, skateboarding. Yes. I wasn't very good, you know. I kind of gave up skateboarding around when I first got into like flat ground tricks. Like, I, I could barely do a kickflip. But you can ollie. Not anymore. Oh, okay. But you could ollie. I could. At one I, point. could I could. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I didn't have a lot of friends that skateboarded. It was just like a very personal thing. I would just do it every now and then. You know, it wasn't like I was running with the crew or things not too, like that. Not too big in Kissimmee at the time? No, it was just, um, well, you know, I don't know how it is now, but when I was a kid, it was just whoever was in your neighborhood, those are your friends, whether you like it or not. Yeah, true you know, you can't. My parents, they're not going to drop me off to my other friend's house exactly. every single day. So whatever they did is what I did. That's what started me with basketball and sports and things like that. I feel that. Uh, we would play soccer in a tennis field. You know, it was just whatever we could do. And, but this is very young, young. I'm thinking like maybe early middle school, late elementary, you know. Gotcha. Were you, were you balling on motherfuckers back then? I was always a big kid, so I would always get picked for that. Um, I wouldn't say I was like amazing. Uh, I was just one of the average kids. And oh, on top of that, he's big. Okay, so you know, if I was going to be picked fifth, now I'll be picked third. Gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. So they probably were putting you down low a lot. Yeah, all the time. Yes. I'd like to shoot. I like to be up there. You know, I'd like to think of myself as like the slim point guard, but that's not me. (laughs) I don't don't have the handles or anything for that. But do you have a shot, though? Do you do you have a shot? At one point, it was pretty good. Like, it was like, oh, shit, this is getting pretty reliable. And then I just stopped playing basketball for a long time. Uh, (laughs) I got you. See, I can relate with that as well. It's (laughs) it's been quite a while. Now it's just like for exercise and for fun. And it was like so hard to organize people to play with nowadays. So it's like it never happens. Wait, when was the last time you played? Probably two weeks ago. Oh, fuck, man. You've got me beat like crazy, dude. It has been years since I've actually played a game. Really? Oh, yeah. It's been years. No, I like it. I like it a lot because it it, it takes your mind off things and it's good. It's great exercise. You I know? need to start playing again. It's it's. We were talking about Julian, one of our, our mutual friends from uh-huh. the market, the clothing yeah, yeah, brand, yeah. and he was talking to me about playing basketball a little while ago. He's like, yeah, bro, you should. He's like, you got the courts right next to your house. We should go, you know, run game a little bit. I was like, dude, it's it's been a while, man. Like, I might have to start off like playing half court or something. Oh no, I don't he, play full court. Fuck he, that. <laughs> but he looks at me and he gives me like the most dead serious Julian face, and he goes, "I don't play half court, bro." <laughs> I was no, just like, that. "God damn it, man!" He plays at the gyms. That's why you know he has like the indoor and everything. But playing full court outdoor, fuck that. I'm no. not doing that in the sun. No, no, on hard asphalt. No, That's I don't think so. Uh. Uh-uh. uh these knees and these ankles just can't do it no more. That's what I'm saying, bro. It's, it's not a thing. Like when you're when you give it a few more years and the knees like really start clicking whenever you're walking. <laughs> like I'm not even out of my 30s yet and my shit's already clicking. It's a shame, man. It shouldn't be like that. Gotta love it though. I mean, I guess skateboarding and soccer and basketball, you know, all those things. And so, uh, were you nice with skateboarding? I mean, I'm looking at all these walls. You have decks everywhere. I can't say that I'm nice. I have my select bag of, of tricks that I can do cleanly. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I, I just remember now. We took that video at that park. Yes, and it took me forever to land that trick. And the, and the <laughs> one I put the camera away is when you <laughs> landed. <laughs> See, that's exact. It's funny because I filmed skateboarding for a good period of my life. 
And as I was riding up to try it that last time, I saw that you weren't filming. And the first thing that I thought in my head was exactly what happens every time I put the camera away when I'm filming. I'm like, I'm going to land it right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what happened. That's that's how it always works, man. Most yeah, definitely. It always goes like that. I wasn't even surprised. I yeah, that's, okay. that's how it goes. You know, I ain't worried about that shit. I'll like, just... Like you said in New York, you know, we know that it happened. Yeah, I was there. That's all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> Boom. Um, so, yeah, so you're playing basketball and whatnot with the kids as a as a kid. Did photography start interesting you as a kid as well, or did that not come until, like, later years? Oh, man, way later. Okay, so let's let's talk about the segue into that. I was going to say, yeah, we okay, in that case, we got to... Because um, we haven't even got to high school yet. Like, what were you no. doing in high school then? No, I didn't. I didn't expect this to be a, a little autobiography about my life. I so. mean, we 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 <laughs> we we delve we delve here. Um, photography. Okay, so the the first segue into anything creative for me was sneakers, which is crazy. Okay, because I was about to ask. Yeah, most. Of, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Because um, it was always you know pay pay less in Walmart shoes in the beginning, and then we're we're very fortunate which is something I learned, to have a Nike clearance store out here because we can get shoes for dirt cheap. Yes. And anybody who comes here looks at these prices, they go crazy. I don't pay full price for Nikes anymore ever since, you know, middle school because I found out about this store right here. Yep. So my parents were like, okay, you know what? We can afford you a $40, $50 pair of Jordans. You know, why not? You know, it's really cheap here and you're starting middle school. Let's just, why not? So, you know, the, the funny thing is everybody knew what Jordans were as a kid. You know, it was just like one of those things. It was just, it was above what it was into what it made people feel. Because I wasn't into sneakers. and I didn't, I never even had a pair of Air Force Ones or anything like that. But everybody knew, oh, you have to get Jordans, you know. So when I got my first pair, what really clicked with me was how people reacted towards me wearing it. It was really weird because I, I, to me, they were just sneakers, you know, that are supposed to be cool. But people were just going crazy over them. And it, it wasn't even that I had a crazy pair. It was just like, oh, shit, those are Jordans. Oh, nice. You Do you know? remember what the first pair was? It was like some Team Jordans, you know, whatever you find at the clearance store. Gotcha. It wasn't anything crazy. But, then, you know, they, they were red and gray. And they but were, they were Jordans. They had, the, yeah. they had the jump man on them. The colors were popping, things like that. And it, it, it got me kind of thinking, like, why do people give so much attention to it? They're just sneakers to me. Uh-huh. And before that, you know, like, I'm not afraid to admit that my mom dressed me and things like that. I was just, you know, I was a good kid. Same, same, dude. Um, so then I, I started to look deeper into it. And then, you know, like, oh, there's these retros. There's this. There's that. There's names. These things have names. You know, it's like crazy. They have classifications. They have classifications. People memorize and spout off at the top of their head at the drop of a hat. Yeah, and it wasn't even the hype behind them because back then there was no hype about them. You know, you, yes. could, you could get whatever you wanted. Yep. So it, it was more, it was kind of organic. It was like, okay, you know what? I'd like to be a part of this as well. But I, I like, I respected the art and the creativity behind it. And then people started, you know, matching colors and putting together my own outfits. It was like, it opened up a whole new world for me. Around what age was that? This was early middle school. So I don't know what, how old are middle school? Maybe was? like 10 or 11, I 10 guess. 10 or 11, you know, the, the, the make or son. break years. Damn, you know? son, you were on the train early, bro. I, I didn't get out of my Hawaiian shirt phase till like 14 or 15. No, no, no. It, it was, it was very like simple though. And it was like, and even further uh, from that, like the money you can make off of them. Mm, so yes. it, it was like, yes, there's no way I can ignore this. Yes. The underbelly of the, uh, the sneaker world. Exactly. So, 
from there, it was, uh, you know, Jordans and, like, the, the stuff I could match with it. And, you know, here's me finally putting together my own outfits and breaking away from that home life, that, that you know, that typical brown life. And So know, the sneakers were kind of the first thing that, like, I yeah. guess... That's push you into into like a a different unique kind of perspective on absolutely. the world. Absolutely, you know, I started listening to music after then. Before then, I didn't really listen to music at all. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it was just radio music, but it was a whole other culture that I didn't know about. And like I said, it, it, before it was a very reserved, typical brown kid, you know. Uh, and you, you can even tell by the kids that grow up in that how they are now. You know, they're not really interested in the same stuff we are. So that sort of planted the first sort of creative seed, and then. Around high school is when I started, uh, that's when people started really posting their photography and things like that, if that made sense, because there was a platform for that. Before that, everybody just didn't really care about it. And, you know, uh, downloading those fun little apps on the iPhone, things like that, I was like, you know, this is actually pretty interesting. Mm. So my first segue into photography started from sneakers and as cars as well, you know. We haven't really talked about cars, but that's we're another. Getting, we're getting there. That's definitely. another big thing. Um, so, you know, I was like, I, I had, a, I had a little bit of money saved up, you know? Um, so I bought my first setup. It was like a Nikon D40 or something. I got it like 200 bucks off Craigslist. Cause I, I was always on Craigslist scouring deals and buying That's and selling fucking and steal, like bro. No, I mean, it, it was kind of a shitty camera back then, but it, it, it did the job, you know? And then from there, you know, it just as developing my skills and taking pictures of different things and. I wasn't really meeting two people. It was very much a personal experience. I wasn't really sharing a lot of my work either. It was more just um, being able to flex a sort of muscle, if that makes sense, that I didn't even know I had, like that creative muscle, you know? Mm. It, it, was, it, was, it was very eye-opening. It was very good because I could finally express myself. Before, I, I didn't really have a way to do that. I mean, I like to draw and doodle. and I don't know about you, but I, I, I can't just sit around. I like to have something in my hand. You know, I, I like that. to fidget a lot. So, you know, I'd always draw and like do things like that, but it wasn't really, it, it didn't cut it. How do you feel about your first pictures that you took? Like, if you were to go back and look at them now. I mean, uh, they would be bad. They would be. Okay. But they have to be because you have to, you you have have to, have to take the steps. Yep, you have you know? to have a stepping stone. Everybody somewhere. gets into some niches. Like, they, they like to play with the clarity sliders and the contrast all the way up and throw the sharpness all the way up. Oh, that's photography, you know? Or just throw a black and white filter on it. Oh, it's art, you know? Mm -hmm. you, you have to be there first before you can get somewhere better. And I'm not somewhere where I can even say I'm great. Yes. You know, I'm still learning. I learn something new, like, almost all the time. I feel that. And I, I like that about it because I don't like to be comfortable where I, with that, where I am, like complacent with my skills. I like to constantly be developing. So I like to be able to recognize that I used to make mistakes before. I'm probably still making mistakes now, but maybe in the future I won't make the same mistakes. Exactly. Because you have to be there. Everything, everything gets corrected and ironed out over yeah, time, yeah, yeah. definitely. It's, uh, it's just repetition, repetition. Because then, just like you were saying, like you were talking about flexing that muscle... It just gets to a point where just as if somebody was doing a skate trick that they've done years and years and years, it's just muscle memory at some yeah, point. Yeah. And then it just becomes natural. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when you're beginning to, to shoot these pictures and all of this stuff, you know, how, how are you feeling about the camera? Like at first where you kind of like, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Mm -hmm. Like we're, just because, like, I, I myself personally have, before I found, like, a couple things that really engaged me, there are definitely 
you know, many other things that I got into for a little minute. Mm-hmm. And then I just pretty much dropped it right away. Oh, I, I get to. Um, so when you started with the camera and you actually started shooting, was it something, did you ever have that kind of thought or was it immediately just like, no, I'm full in, I'm in on this all the way? Oh, no, no, absolutely not. I, as a kid and, and around high school, I dabbled in a lot of things. You know, I, I liked, like I said, skateboarding, or video, uh, photography. I liked to play sports. I liked cars. I liked a whole bunch of things. So it, it wasn't really like, oh, I, th- I'm doing okay with this. This is what I'm going to do forever. And even now I feel that way. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a bit. But it was more like just something I did. And um, it, it, the relationship I had with it, it was that it was very personal. I, I didn't use it to put myself out there and things like that. It was just something fun that I did. And, you know, late nights I, I had something to keep me busy and something to work towards. And it was very, um, what's the word, satisfying to have a picture in your head or have a, a vision in your head and be able to reproduce that. And in the beginning, that was enough for me to keep keep it going, you know, that f- for a very personal uh, hobby, basically. Word. Mm-hmm. That's what's up, man. So where did the cars come into play here? Because speaking for myself personally, I've never been one into cars. Uh-huh. I've, I can tell you anything you want to know about a skateboard, but uh-huh. I cannot about a car. I am car stupid. The that beauty is sure. of cars is that any person you ask, literally anybody no matter what they do for a living who they believe in who they voted for in some way or form they like cars and that what i mean by that is it goes back to that middle school personality we had at the book fairs where there's a ferrari poster and i don't even know anything about it but i need it you know shout out scholastic book fair shout out scholastic <laughs> book fair it's the the real shit for the kids back in the day yeah so everybody likes cars in some way or form you know like some people like old cars new cars whatever anybody who looks at a, a nice car can appreciate it in some form. Yes. But what what really got me started with cars is my dad because he used to like to off-road and things like that a lot. So he would know how to basically do our own maintenance, like oil changes and, you know, change our headlight bulbs and this and that. And I would always like to help him because, you know, that's the sort of relationship we had where he would always show me the ropes. Gotcha. So um, that's how I got into cars, really. And... Even now, I, I like to work on project cars. I've bought cars that are not running and made them run and made a dime on it. You know, I was going like, to bring that up, yeah. I didn't bring my car today because, you know, I don't like to take it too far. But I've worked on my car in my driveway. It's, you know, it's like really modified and all that stuff. And even more, though, it was a very constructive way for me to keep myself busy. If I was angry or if I was confused or something like that, having a menial task really helps. So, you know, I'm not one to shy away from, like, you know, doing gardening or things like that. Because once I get lost in my work, I, I feel better. Because, you know, I can I can just have a task and all the other stresses sort of melt away. What is it they say? Idle hands are the devil's workshop? Yeah, yeah, they say things like that. But it, it does really apply because, you know, it kept me busy. So if I'm changing a, a wheel or, you know, an axle or just doing an oil change or something, that one or two hours of hard work will actually, you know, it will benefit me. It'll, it'll Pay kinda, off in the long run. Yeah, it'll melt the stress away. It'll keep me in a, in a better place. And, you know, from there, it was just like learning about the cars and buying them. And, like, I also had a friend who ended up being a business partner of my dad who used to sell cars. So going to the auctions, buying them, selling them, working how titles work, you know, getting that salesman experience, things like that. So literally anything you could say about cars, I've been around buying, modifying, fixing, just driving, things like that. It, it, it ended up being a big part of my life, but I didn't really intend it to be. It just did. It just really kind of happened naturally. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's crazy, especially like it's it's 
that's definitely a good skill to have in this day and age mm-hmm. to be able to work on your own shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, me, I literally have an, a Honda Accord that's been sitting out <laughs> in my driveway for probably a year and a half to two <laughs> years, and I don't know what to fucking do with it. And I can't take it anywhere unless I tow it. So I'm just like, ah, <laughs> fuck. But it's that's such a beautiful thing to be able to first off get it from your father, you know, who passed mm-hmm. it down Absolutely, to you. Yeah. And he might not even been thinking about it like that at the time. He's just like, oh, I'm just going to have this little nigga help me out and, you know, like get shit done. <laughs> but, you know, like it's I'm, I'm sure at some point he was probably like, oh, yeah, no, like this is actually this is actually great for him. He'll be able to to take these skills on later Absolutely. on in life. Yeah. So and it's it's been able to develop into a, a different type of passion for you, which mm-hmm. is dope, you know, to have another little hobby along those lines. Like Absolutely. But uh, like all my hobbies, it's not something that I would want to do forever. But the experiences and the things I learned can apply to life, you know? Th- th- I think that's the most rewarding thing about hobbies that we don't really think about. It's just, like, how they can help you become a better person is, um, it's kind of un- unexpected, but it- it's really rewarding, basically. That's what I enjoy about human beings who are versatile, mm-hmm. especially people. I guess, you know, just to use easy examples, you know, like any any musician or whatever... Or I guess you would say an actor or whatever, you know, you see them doing one thing for a long time and they try to branch out to do something else creative, you know, Mm -hmm. and I feel like for the most part, people usually talk shit on them when they first start doing it. And then 10 years later down the line, they're still doing it. You know, let's say like a Will Smith or something. Sure. And he's absolutely killing it right now, you know, destroying it in the acting world when he just started off from rapping or whatever. And he's proving that he was able to be versatile and kind of shapeshift and Mm -hmm. move into different Mm things. And it's it's nice to see human beings who are open to the idea of not necessarily being in one box their whole life and Absolutely, continuing yeah. to be malleable and change themselves and experience new things because you can like we were talking about earlier it's it's always a learning process mm-hmm. like you're constantly making mistakes in life you're constantly learning things from your own fuck ups and you know like myself like i should have asked you how i was supposed to introduce you before i started the fucking episode but <laughs> that's how those things happen i mean yeah that's that's the charm of this you know it's very free-formed yeah that's most why I, before we started recording a lot of my questions were just like you know how did this start what do you actually do yeah most definitely i get that a lot too coming in here like people always are just like yo so i don't necessarily know i try to always say like hey you know like listen to a couple episodes or whatever before mm-hmm. you come in yeah absolutely we'll kind of give you an idea of you know what we do and what we're about that's exactly what i did to sort of prepare but it's even then like you still don't really know until you come here like it's 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 definitely one thing to hear it and then actually to come in and do the this thing itself it's it's two completely different worlds that's for sure no absolutely absolutely so you're working with cars and uh, you're learning about cars from your father and whatnot are you starting to take pictures of cars as well like once you first pick up the camera um, yeah, it was like, you know, all I could really do is take pictures of things I was interested in. I wasn't very like trying to be abstract or artsy and things like that. Like, gotcha. It was mostly just like the sneakers, the the cars, where, where I went. If I traveled, I would bring the camera with me. And it got to the point where the rest of my family sort of knew, oh, he's also into that. And it, it was kind of a challenge because it was like, um, th- there's a, how do I explain this? Well, with, with cultures, especially foreign cultures. I'm sure you could relate to this. There's like mm-hmm. a, I don't know, a, almost like a system like where everything happens a certain way. And to to be able to be a big personality or to try to, 
tell people this is what you are, that's what you are, it's kind of difficult because, you know, everybody has a role and things like that. But it was, it's kind of a, a smooth transition, you know, where it was like, okay, this is Hasib. He likes cars. He likes photography. Let's just move on. So it wasn't as difficult as, like, I feel like I have many other friends that are either of, like, Indian descent or okay. something along those lines, and they'll try to do something along, like, the creative routes, and their family definitely is not about it at all. No, it, you have to be, um, you got you to gotta pump the brake sometimes. You can't just be, like, in their face and, like, being overly, like, oh, I'm an artist and being entitled. You have to be really humble about it and just be like, you know, this is also what I like to do. Yes. But I know my responsibilities come first. I know my studies come first, things like that. Most definitely. So you, you have to be able to balance it because otherwise it's just not going to work. Most definitely. That's what's up. So when does the abstract side of photography kind of hit you? Um, I don't even think I'm there yet, honestly. But it's just more like uh, when it got to the point where I was working with people, right? And uh, the conversation sort of shifted. So instead of me asking them what they wanted, it was more like, hey, what do you think we should do? And it's like, oh, this is kind of weird. You know, like most of my client work is um, you tell me what you want, I give you that, you know. But then when it got to the point where they see see what you know how to do, they sort of trust in your ability. So you kind of have to be creative, you know. Mm. And that's when it sort of clicked like, okay, I have more control than I thought I did. You know, it, it was a more before I just thought of myself as a sort of a worker, like you hired me, I'll get you what you want. But then it was like, oh, wait, you actually bring more to the table than that because you're act, you have the skills to do so. You know, exactly. Because I can just hire anybody to take a shot and everything. But I also want somebody I can develop an idea with storyboard with do whatever, you know, exactly. So that's when it sort of it, it kind of was expected. It was just something I had to do, you know, and it, it, it's like something you can't shy away from if you want to keep this going, basically. Gotcha. So with your process of working with clients or whatever, do you usually have some type of process with that? Do you, do you think about certain places that you want to go beforehand or is it kind of fly by the seat of the pants or? Oh, no, I try to be very professional and organized. So the thing about the, the photos that I take, um, a lot of people, when they think of photography, it's all expression and creativity and all that stuff. Well, when I do that, it doesn't really get me that far. Like, I don't even have, like, 1K followers or anything like that. And I've been shooting for a long time. But what made me comfortable and kept me going with that was that the paid work, the corporate work, the professional work. Because everybody can look cool and have a, a camera, but you need to be able to be professional and talk to those people who are outside of the creative spectrum, you know? So, you know, I, I don't wear streetwear a lot either. I like to wear button-ups and slacks, really, because that shit's mad comfortable for me. Yes. And I like the way that it gives myself off. So when it comes to working for clients, weddings, engagement pictures, whatever, um, I like to keep it professional. I like to keep uh, everything organized, too. Like, this is the location. What do you think? What sort of look do you want? This is how we're going to move forward. And everybody just waits on my word that way. And they feel like I'm in control. Even when, I f when I'm not in, I sort of have a system I can follow. Most definitely. It kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. You were saying about, you know, keeping it professional. Mm-hmm kind of goes back to what I was saying about uh, making sure that you're uh, always... God damn it, now I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, damn, what was I talking about before earlier when I said that? Well, while you think about it, just I, I just wanted to say it is a different skill set that comes with photography that's just as important as knowing how to take the shot. Because, you know, I don't have the followers and likes, but I do have the clients who can refer me to whoever they need to. I do have the checks I get from weddings and stuff like that. So... Uh, a lot of creative people or people who are into any sort of things like that, they get to the point where it's like um, 
why am I doing this? Should I keep continuing or should I not? And I, I've, I've thought about giving up for a long time and many times. And I, I've, I've even stopped shooting a couple of times. I've just, you know, put it down and everything. I even sold some equipment. But it, it got to the point where it's like, okay, doing it for myself is not going to cut it anymore. Doing it for the clout, that's just not who I am. That's not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Just posting my stuff is pretty stupid and lackluster. It doesn't get me anywhere. That's not going to cut it. Yep. And then I, I thought about, you know, what if I could use this professionally? What if I can network with this, you know? And then that's when I started uh, through that angle in there. And it, it, that worked out for me. That kept me going, actually, which is actually the reverse. People, they complain about the weddings and all the corporate stuff that they have to do. And they say, oh, I just want to shoot creativity. And that's just going to keep me going. Well, I did it the other way around, where it's like the creative work didn't really work out for me that much. Well, it did work out, but it didn't, didn't fulfill me. And then the, the corporate work worked for me a lot because it's, it's, it gives me a reason to do it. It gives me a reason to improve. And I also like the relationships I built from that. And it allows you to be able to actually get steady paychecks, do it your work. Does, and but it was more like a side hustle. There's a lot of work involved into I gotcha. doing it full time. I gotcha. True that. But it doesn't, I mean, but it, it, it also necessarily like, it, as opposed to, you know, just doing some creative work that's not necessarily getting recognized, uh-huh. you're actually getting paid for that work, which can, for the corporate work, which can make you, you know, have a little more time in your off time to go do the creative stuff. It yeah, can, absolutely, it absolutely. can help you support the creative stuff after you get, you know, the corporate shit done. Yeah. I just remembered what I was going to say too okay. earlier, what, uh. You were saying about being professional and everything that goes back to what I was saying earlier about knowing your environment Mm -hmm. and knowing everybody that's around you, because if you're like you were saying, you know, if you're you're just saying that I just want to be, you know, in the creative lane, I don't necessarily want to mess with these corporate people. Uh That's all well and good. But, you know, if if you want to branch yourself out there and actually have a name known, like you can't rule out other people and just burn those bridges before you even get to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why I don't like to tell people that I'm just a photographer or even say that because that puts you in a box and that's a box I don't want to be in. That's why I like to just be a person before I tell them what else I do. And that's why I like to try to bring other stuff to the table. If I can have a feeling that somebody just needs me for my photography in a creative way, then it doesn't feel like a genuine relationship to me. I like to be a person before I am that. And um, what was I going to say? And th- that second advice I try to give to anybody who ever asks me if they want to get into that photography, I tell them don't do it. Not because it's not fun or anything. I tell them because you don't want to be just a photographer. I-, I-, I urge people to try to do something else before they become a photographer or tell people before that they're a photographer because you have to bring something else to the table. Exactly. If we look at creative people in a totem pole, for some reason... And I can tell you the reason. But for some reason, the photographers are at the bottom. They're just, they're, their craft is not respected as much as it used to. And the digital age usually is really what did that. Because everybody has a phone in their pocket. Everybody has a portrait mode and this and that. Yep. They can throw a filter on their stuff and it can look similar to what I can do. But the thing is, it, it, it does take a lot of work. You know, shooting, editing, getting the, the images right. It takes a lot of trial and error. A lot of, you know, like, am I, why am I still doing this? For every hour I shoot, I have to take two hours to edit Fill and, up. you know, waste my time learning. Not waste my time. Spend my time trying to learn all these programs, all these looks. Oh, wait, guess what? This isn't coming out right because I don't have this $1,000 lens. Oh, mm-hmm. now I got to buy this $1,000 lens. 
oh, I want to do video. Oh, well, guess what? This setup is not going to work. You got to buy another camera body. Especially with how fast things are advancing and technology Absolutely. is nowadays. It's the same thing with podcasting. Like, I constantly have to be up on my shit about all this. Mm-hmm. If I want this to sound as good as it could sound, and if I want it to be, if I want everything to be as streamlined as it could be, you always have to make sure that you're up to date with everything that's going on around Absolutely. you or else you're going to get left behind. But that's in part why they don't get the respect that they deserve is because everybody thinks it's so easy. It's just a press of a button or this or that. Yep. And, you know, when, the, when you think of a painter, everybody can sort of understand the struggle. It's not easy to paint. And when you think of an embroider, oh, you know, that's hard work. If you think of a screen printer, oh, that's hard work. Mm-hmm. And if you think of a photographer, oh, wait, no, I have a phone in my pocket. It's not that bad. Yep. So it, it's that's why it's it's important to be something else because no matter how hard you work, it's not going to look like you work hard because that's just how the craft is. Exactly. You know, back in the age of film and all that stuff, people could sort of understand the labor behind it, but now nowadays it's really sort of a it has like this shroud on it where everybody thinks it's so easy to do. It's almost watered down to the mainstream culture. Absolutely. That is for sure, and that's why it's so hard to get paid for it. It's absolutely difficult. Because uh, I've sent quotes and people are like, what the hell? Well, I'm not paying you this much just to press a button, blah, 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 blah. And it, it's it's very hard to be able to market yourself on that as well. That's why I, I just tell people, you know, before you get into it, you got to be something else before that. Because you have to be a, more of a well-rounded person. Versatile. Uh, if not, then what you're going to do, you're going to do a disservice to the people who are already established. Because everybody knows about that girl in high school that they went with who graduated. And she bought a camera. Now she has a Facebook page blah 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 photography and she's doing 40 dollars shoots and stuff like that Mm -hmm. well that takes away from the guy who's been working his whole life trying to get paid for it as well and then you know obviously she's going to give up in six months but everyone's going to remember her prices yep and they're going to expect you to do it for the same price they're going to base off of that yeah exactly absolutely absolutely damn man that's crazy how that shit happens too Mm -hmm. especially just like you were saying with the person who does that and then quits after six months and they don't even realize how they're affecting everybody else after yeah. the fact that was doing it before they started and after they ended, too. Yeah, that's why I have sort of a love-hate relationship with photography. That's why I like to be more that. I like to be bigger than that, you know? Yes, most definitely. And, and, and one way to do that is to not to mention to every single person that's what you do because then they brand you as that, they put you in a box, and whether you like it or not, you're going to be put at the bottom of the total pole. Most definitely. I feel that. Mm-hmm. So when did you start kind of, hmm, how should I say this? Hmm, I'm trying to think how I should say this. When do you start, I'm just going to let that one go. Because <laughs> I kind of I figured out how to word it in my head. Just, so. I mean, just say it. What were you going to ask? Uh, What are you trying to get out of me, basically? I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to get out of myself right now. <laughs> Apparently, and I'm uh, mulling over my own thoughts. Uh, how do you, how now at this point, of you know shooting photos and whatnot? How do you fulfill yourself, like you were talking about earlier, like having oh, okay. that feeling of satisfaction? Oh, it, that gets harder. It's almost like, um, I guess, a good example that everybody can relate to or understand just like drugs you know like whatever amount that you're doing before it's not going to cut it now like chasing the ha- dragon exactly you have to go harder and it, it, it's very tough to do that especially when like i said everybody is doing it so well photography not drugs um everybody is shooting so it's kind of hard to do something that you're, you're not just you know 
a blatant copy of somebody else you're, you're, you're yourself and you're also doing something that's gonna fulfill you because whatever you like the mass might not like and you'll get discouraged because you'll, you'll post it or you'll share it or you'll, you'll, you'll do something with it and you won't get the reception that you expected because yeah. in your mind you're like this is the epitome of photography that's what I think right now because I love this I created this originally this is it everyone's gonna look at it and be like mm, you know whatever and then uh, you'll get more discouraged because you'll see somebody who's doing something really kind of corny, but it gets the, the, the likes, it gets the views. Oh, I but can the thing is, so you, much. You can't just get salty. You have to understand that. You have to understand your audience, you know? Yep. Uh, th- I was talking to um, Chef a while ago. He was talking about starting something. Basically, we, we, we were sort of troubleshooting it to like, we didn't want it to be too niche and we needed it to be mass appeal. So I told him you sort of have to sell out a little bit, if that makes sense, but not really, where you have to, you know, cover and share things that you don't really give a shit about, but your viewers will give a shit about it. And it's kind of hard to navigate that and tiptoe the line where you're still yourself, you're still original, but at the same time, you have a little bit of angle where even the the most basic viewer can get entrenched into your stuff. Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of weird how that works because everything, you know, has this balance with it. So sometimes if you want to necessarily, if you want to go towards those extra viewers or whatever it is, the, the extra people viewing your content, you might have to give a little bit of yourself as well to, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. get to that point. I mean, it's a struggle in knowing how much to give, how much to compromise. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, you still have to retain yourself and your integrity and things like that. Gotcha. Speaking of chef, when was it that you you met the market dudes and got hooked up with them? Oh, market. Um, so I met Ed through a friend who worked with him, and he was like, you know, I just need, I just. Initially, they were just another client to me because you know I've worked with so many brands. You know, every every brand needs a photographer. They need their photos for their whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was like, I have this, and I need you to take these pictures for me. And he met me through a friend, so it was just like another gig for me. And the first few shoots, that's just how it went. It was just, like, strictly professional. They were cool people, and it, it was just, like, you know, doing work for them. And so that's how I met Ed. I didn't really m- get close with Chef until we went to New York, which is really weird. And that was recent. And now we're, like, constantly talking and things like that, which is a relationship we didn't have before. Um, but over the time, getting along with Ed, I, you know... It, Market had more substance and depth than just another brand who screen prints, you know? Yes. There, there was a lot of moves he was making that was odd to me because I was like, hey, if you want to get bigger, you should do this. But he was like, no, you know, I, I need to keep the integrity of the brand. The brand is not going to ever sell out. It's this way, and I, I strictly adhere to that. And I respected that a lot. Yeah, I definitely see that strongly from Ed, for sure. Like, Yeah, absolutely. It's so that, that's strong. What, that's what developed the relationship. Because like I said, you know, as somebody who takes pictures, you get approached by a lot of people who need content, you know? And it, it's very, it's kind of almost uh, difficult to, to, I don't know, how to read people to know that if they're kind of being genuine or they just need somebody to do their marketing Something for them. Something from you, yeah. And people will say whatever to get you to do it for a lower price and things like that. Oh, hell yeah. Because they need somebody who's constant. Because consistency is obviously key. So it, it was very, I guess, it was like a breath of fresh air to meet somebody who's a little bit along the same lines where they also have integrity themselves. They're not just trying to sell out. Yes, most definitely. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, you know, like me speaking personally, you know, on the on the brand and all this shit. I mean, all this shit is dope. I mean, uh-huh. I was telling yeah. them too, you know, like when I had them in there for their podcast, you know, like it's you're 
Ed was bringing up the concept of, you know, most things, especially in clothing, are like rehashed. You know, like mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. most ideas have already been done. Most Absolutely. silhouettes have already been done. Yeah, no doubt. It's just a matter of what you do and your creative take on everything and keeping everything fresh. And I was just telling them, you know, when they were in here, I was just like, you know, it's like you guys do a very good job of that, like making sure that it's fresh and it has this different aesthetic to it. And everything is clean also. Like, that's a big part about it. Yeah, that's that 1% that makes a difference, you know. And not just clothing, you know, whatever you're doing. If you have the principles and the ethics, that's what sort of separates you. Exactly. Now, I got to say, how did you feel about our uh, our housing situation when we were in New York? Cause I mean, obviously, <laughs> it was less than ideal, but I kind of understood it. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not like, I'm not a big complainer, you know. I feel that. I take what I can get, but I, I mean, I don't like to be disrespected either. And that's not how I felt. I didn't yeah. feel disrespected. I personally feel terrible just because I have a girlfriend with me. I was immediately given a bed and I was like, I don't even think I deserve a bed. <laughs> honestly, being here in this situation with all these other dudes, like all these other people are here to like do work. And I'm literally just here to do a podcast and like record some shit on my camera. No, it, what made it easier was everybody's attitude. Nobody was complaining. Nobody felt entitled. Everybody was, you know, for the, the ship that is whatever we're doing there. Most definitely. And um, everybody's respectful. And, you know, none of that pranking shit, no funny shit, things like that. Yeah. Which I really, I like that because I, I don't like to deal with people who are into that stuff. Um, but it, there was no reason to complain. There was no reason to hate it because it was just a very comfortable atmosphere. It's funny you brought that up because I didn't even think about that. We were literally in a place with like eight niggas like straight up eight dudes all around each other and there was no like funny shit no bullshit which is nice no, no that's, that's amazing because that's like you know <laughs> yeah. these are actually people i can talk to i can relate to i can actually be friends with these people exactly they're, like, they're not on that other shit yep the i mean i had that in my mind going there and the only reason why i still went is because you know i have family there so you know if this didn't work out i could just go down down the borough and just chill there at night. definitely but I'm glad it worked out that way. Most definitely. that's like, I feel like that's not typical. I feel like, you know, whenever you have that many people in there, and I know by experience, it doesn't always work out that way. Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely. It usually doesn't vibe, like, that well. That is yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, that's also to say, if we had maybe been there for a few more days after that, you know, tensions could have risen. <laughs> tensions are a little bit different than just, you know, people being douche, you know? That's true. That is very true. I will give you that. And it was a very temporary thing. We were there for like, what, all of three, four days? Exactly. So, you know, I got to say, I don't know about you, but I thoroughly enjoyed my trip to New York. I don't know how your trip went, but... It was dope. You know, it was it was nice. You know, I've been to New York plenty of times, but this, this was... It was very chill and relaxed, and I had a great time. Now, I have to say as well, you did one thing that the n- none of us were able to do, and that was to go look at the Met afterwards. <laughs> and looking at all of your updates from your stories and everything, I was so goddamn envious, I mean, dude. I, I, I tried not to be on my phone. I only put up a little bit of stuff, but the Met was, like, life-changing. Oh, man. And living in New York and being there all this time, I never went. And, oh, my God, it was just... So did you just spend that whole day there? I spent a decent amount of hours because my flight was at night that day. So I didn't want to be running around getting home and things like that. Yeah. Um, but, Especially oh in New York God. traffic. That shit was crazy. And it, it was discounted, too, because I had my school ID. So I was like, you know, it was like no reason not to go. Oh, damn. The thing was just just thinking about all the stuff that's there. And it's not reproductions. It's not like, you know, fake stuff either. It's It's the original stuff that they unearthed from all this time in history that's just been, you know, just sitting there all under one roof it was just it was mind-blowing and there's no way i could see all of it in one day either 
So I was just running around trying to look at things like I don't see a lot of art from a representation from my people. So I was trying to look at that stuff. I definitely mm-hmm. wanted to see more of the Asian culture. Ancient Greek obviously is amazing. So I had to check out that stuff too. And there were so much things on my checklist I didn't get to see. But the stuff I saw was life-changing because your, your typical thing, your thoughts of a museum and what the sort of stuff that they house there is a little bit different. You know, it's like I've been to museums where it's like uh, I see things and they, they sort of try to make it more important than it actually is. Well, this place did the opposite where things are just placed there and you just happen upon them and you're like, holy shit, this was made this many centuries ago it's still here this is the thoughts of people at that time and i don't know it was, it was very eye-opening word i'm definitely trying to go on our next uh, trip back to new york that Absolutely. is for sure you have to that's like a you just have to it's like a bucket list thing i think that's gonna be ha- i think that's gonna have to be my whole friday there when i get there it's probably gonna be literally like get in on friday and then just fucking go. Cause the I funny th- thing is, the ticket they give you is good for three days. Because that's how long it takes just oh. just to look at everything once. You gonna, know? Not even to just sit there and absorb everything. Just to like glance at everything once is going to take you like three days. Fuck, man. See, that hurts because I know we're going to be busy for the rest of that weekend, too. No, so I mean, this like, is something where, I don't know, just plan to go to New York and do it. Just know? for that, yeah. I mean, it's worth it, honestly. The things you'll get from there, you'll, you'll never find anywhere else. Word. True that. Uh, I mean, I sound like a spokesman for them, but that's how, that's how <laughs> great it was. <laughs> Did it have any kind of aesthetic changing views for you at all or? Um, a little bit because a, a lot of the things I saw were, um, how do I explain this? Everything was different. And it was different because everybody wasn't trying to be mainstream. They were just doing what they did. And the tragedy and the basically the wisdom of a lot of the things there was that when they were initially created, they might not have been recognized. So a lot of the paintings or the sculptures or the things you see there were just normal things. At, the, at that person, the time at that time, the person created it. It didn't get the recognition, obviously. It was just that guy expressing himself. And now we look back at it and say, this is like the, the base of all creative work in our society now. And this is just something some guy did. Not, not so much nonchalantly, but he did it without recognition. Yes. And that was the craziest part of it. Damn, man. I'm going to have to slide through to the Met, yo. Yeah, absolutely. God damn it, man. Now, I have to I have to say, you, you did a great job with the market shoot while we were out there as well. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It was uh, very beautiful, I must say. All the shots you, were quite dope. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one of my favorites is probably the homie sitting on the basketball goal. Yeah. Shit was too <laughs> ill. <laughs> And it's it's funny to talk about like the behind the scenes shit because there was a moment where I didn't think he was gonna be able to get up there. It was I don't <laughs> mean, we were gonna get him up there one way or another. That's why I gave a lending hand, you know. I, was I feel that for the foot. I was, I was gonna have to. I, I jumped in for the helping down, not for the helping up, because you know I've I've got these huge muscles here to <laughs> huge huge muscles. Over yeah, they here. told me they wanted to use a, a basketball court, and they had one close by to where we were, and I wasn't really feeling that one. So the night before is when I found the other court we went to uh, by the Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, by the Brooklyn Bridge. That wasn't planned. Um, I found that the night before. So you just happened by it? No, I mean, I I have a workflow where I like to find locations. Like, I look up things, and uh, I I know where to look, basically, to find the things, uh, the image dumps and things like that. Gotcha. So I had an image in my mind, and I just try to match it the best I can. And um, so they just told me what they wanted. Again, this this is what I was talking about earlier, where it wasn't like, um our our relationship 
when with just the way I perform. It wasn't like they just told me what they wanted and I gave them that. They gave me an idea and I sort of ran with it. If that makes sense, I threw my own there. They nobody knew the, that that's where we we're gonna go. But the morning of when we're about to hop in the Uber, I'm like, okay, this is the address. This is where we're going. And they completely trusted me because they know I know what I'm doing. So, um, you know, that's how we happened upon that place. That's a beautiful thing, too. When you have, like, that cohesive trust between you and the people you're working with. Too. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's not like you're a, how do I put this? You're not just another person there as much as you are another entity, another collaborator, another piece of the puzzle. Exactly. Because everybody has to be able to handle their own. If you need constant instructions and you're too scared to be able to throwing your own thoughts is just not going to work out exactly you had definitely had to learn how to speak up that's for sure yeah absolutely and nobody wants to yes man you know if i'm not feeling (sighs) something i'll tell them oh yeah and i think this is something ed mentioned a while back that you know he prefers it that way too oh yeah because honesty is honesty will get you much farther than you know trying to fucking you know suck some dude's dick basically just to just to get him on your side or whatever because in the long run, if you're not telling him what you really feel, he's not going to be on your side in the long run. Because no, he, a he lot knows of my, a lot of my dialogues with models and things like that are the same way, where they'll bring me an idea and be like, eh, "Let's try it this way instead." Gotcha. And they're they're completely down with it because they know, they they sort of have a trust, you know, and that that comes with not selling yourself out to for people to be able to trust with your ideas and things like that. Gotcha. I have to say, most of your shots, well, not most, like mo- all of these shots that I've seen. <laughs> I'm terrible with wording my words, apparently. No, but all these shots that I've seen, especially with the models and whatnot, uh-huh, everything uh-huh. is very tasteful. Oh, no, I appreciate that. Like, the, just the setting up of frames and everything, you know, everything is spot on, I have to say, dude. Like, it's, like, I, I've, I'm not bullshitting when I say to these people at home that are listening, like, you've got the eye. No, no, I appreciate that because it, it, there's a lot of work behind it. It's not as simple as, like, when are you free? Let's just meet up this time and just knock out some pictures. I have a hand in styling every single one of my models, and nobody nobody really knows about this. And I, this is what something that somebody brought up recently, where like you have to kind of make it known that you have a bigger hand than just showing up and taking pictures. Which I, I'm not really I I don't know a way to do that yet. But um, well, when I say that I don't know what to do, I mean uh, I don't know a way to present that I I have a bigger hand than I actually do. Gotcha. So I, I like to converse with the models. I like to style them. A lot of the clothes that they wear, I bring. You know, I, I don't like to leave it up to them because a lot of times they they don't show up in something that I'm feeling. I feel that. And uh, it's not their fault. It's just, you know, that they're doing what their fans like and things like that. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So I, I'm not scared of saying no to somebody who has a lot of followers if it's going to come out a way that I'm not feeling. Because like I said, I'm not really interested in the clout chasing. So I like to be selective and I like to have a hand in styling. I prefer them send me pictures of them wearing what they're going to wear. And, oh, I also have this. Hey, this is the look I want. Location-wise, this is where we're going to be. Word. Um, this is what I want it to look like. I, I like to plan it out. It used to be where, you know, it's like, hey, bring your camera and we'll just hang around and take pictures. And that candid stuff is great, but it's not going to really come out that way. And I don't have the time anymore to just, you know, shoot and pray, spray and pray anymore. You know, I have to be more surgical with it. I have to be more selective with Goal it. Goal-oriented. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I have to ask you, I know you were saying earlier that, you know, you don't necessarily like to, to rock, like, streetwear and whatnot in the professional settings. I mean, I, I do like it, but it's just, like, every day my attire is more, like, button-ups and things like that. Gotcha. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Now, in the moments when you are rocking, you know, the streetwear <laughs> and whatnot, uh, I have to ask, what are your do's and don'ts? Do you have any do's and don'ts or, like, fashion pet peeves, anything along those lines? Um... I'm not I'm not really snobby when it comes to that stuff, so I, I'm, I'm not sure how to answer that, but all, I know that 
what makes the outfit is how it looks on you, how it fits. You know, it's not much branding. You know, if it's if it's if I can tell you're uncomfortable in it, then the the outfit's already fucked. You know, so it, it's not really. I, I'm not really brand based. I, I like to have things on that I'm comfortable in. I'm wearing a, a three dollar t shirt, and my shoes cost like five hundred dollars. That happens to me constantly because th- yep. I'm just more comfortable that way. Um, and you know, other other way around, I'll just wear slides and I'll wear something that's cost more up top but it, it's more about fit than it is branding and i, I don't know I, I kind of find it hard to jump on every new trend you know i, I like to have like a, a simple color style if that makes sense i feel that yeah so I, it's also very hard to shop for somebody my stature because not everything fits i like, feel that too i can't even wear a lot of su- older supreme that i have you know because it just doesn't fit the way i want it to how long you been collecting supreme for I got into Supreme very early, around when I got into SB Dunks, which was like in high school. Oh, damn. Yeah, because that was like my segue, because there was like, you know, all these collaborations. That, that's why I'm saying that sneakers are like the genesis of all the stuff I know now. It's because all the collaborations and all that introduced me to all these new brands, you know. I wasn't like a hardcore skateboarder who got into Supreme. No way. I, I just knew a lot about Nikes, and then, oh, look, they're collaborating with this brand. Because, so, I mean, SB Dunks, there was that that golden era absolutely. of just, they were knocking everything out of the fucking park they don't get the respect they deserve no. modern day fashion and streetwear can all be traced back to the sb dunks oh hell, hell yes. yeah and nobody talks about that yep no no and every and everybody shits on the dunks now like Absolutely, yeah. shits on because they're, they're not in vogue right now yep but the the collaborations and the, the mindset and the the attitude that everybody has now was from that that's like the grandfather of everything most definitely i think they're coming back they I, are, but they're, again, they're not. Like, I find it hard to wear low-top Dunks SBs now because I, I, that fat tongue, it just doesn't work for my mm, wardrobe. But I, I only wear, like, high tops if I ever wear them. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> Damn, so... Oh, so you don't have any pet peeves, though, then? Um, Nothing that you look at and you're just like, I don't know about that one. I mean, a lot of screen print tees are that way. I mean, I feel that way about a lot of, I don't know, pants and, like, you know, biker jeans and shit like that. And... <laughs> side zipper shits but i don't know I, I don't really have like i said i don't really have a snobby attitude towards it and not to say it's snobby to have pet peeves cause yes. it's not but i don't really have that um i don't know i guess my philosophy is just to keep it simple if that makes sense i feel that most definitely yeah like both of us we're both mainly rocking all black right now which is like oh, i wear black like 90 percent of the time oh yeah hence yep same there same there it's so definitely. weird it's uh, it's just not it extends farther than clothes like my car is black my, my windows have to be tinted my car interior has to be black one thing that makes me sick is like a tan leather interior Ooh. i just feel so uncomfortable like i have to have darker colors it just makes it for my attitude it makes a huge difference it's very strange to me too when mm-hmm. i have so many friends especially like skate homies yeah that are the complete opposite and they only rock all white shit and <laughs> i'm just it's such a weird dichotomy between the two because i don't know obviously we're talking about all black shit you know it's very yeah, versatile yeah. Yeah. it can get a little dirty a little scratched up a little scuffed and no no one's really the wiser you know especially if you're taking care of your shit absolutely if you're rocking all white shit <laughs> from head to toe it's a, a little bit of a different scenario well i mean i gave up caring about um oh this is gonna get dirty that's gonna get scuffed if i'm gonna wear it, i'm just gonna wear it no matter what color it is you know i feel I, that i remember in like high school i used to be that kid that you know i don't want to crease this i don't want to do that I, don't, I gotta make this last but it's like if you're gonna wear it you might as well wear it like a normal person i agree which is also like thinking about the the off-white jordan ones that you were wearing in new york <laughs> 
You know, those things have obviously been worn in. And to me, they honestly look way fucking sicker that way than they Absolutely. do pristine and in mint condition and whatever. You know, it, they look way better actually worn and actually used. Because the funny thing is that um, you can get sort of this tunnel vision when you start caring about, excuse me, like streetwear and fashion. Um, where the community you're in, you feel like that is the larger picture when it's not. You know, sneakers, cars, and all that stuff, that's not going to get you women. That's not going to get you the job. That's not going to get you anywhere, really. Oh. So, I mean, uh, it's better to just to look at it as what it is sometimes. It's just a pair of shoes because that's exactly what it is. Yep. Because you have to be bigger than that. If, if you're always like uh, sort of overvaluing it and things like that, it's not going to really get you anywhere because the, the normal person who's actually successful or the people who are actually on top, they don't care about that thing. They don't lose sleep over things like that. Exactly. And we have to learn to be like bigger than that. That's one of the, the harder things because when you get into all this stuff, like you, you drop the money and all that, that's fine. But you need to not lose sight of yourself. You can't let these talk for you. You still have to be the person. You exactly. Know? I just bought this shirt that I'm wearing right now. It's from mm-hmm. a rapper named Westside Gun. Okay. And uh, I love this thing because it's an album cover of one of his of his latest album. And it's Homeboy with a, like an AK-47 and a Fendi mask on. <laughs> That's pretty dope. But I got it with a different shirt as well. And the shirt was red. And okay. when they packed these shirts and sent them to me, they didn't put them like in separate plastic bags. Sure. It was just in one packaging bag and they were touching each other so if you look real close in here you can see where the dye from the red shirt faded into the graphic on the shirt oh that's just a shame man. you and gotta, gotta I get mean, your logistics on check <laughs> it is a it is a fucking shame and trust me i sent an email and then after five minutes after sending that email i was looking at everything and i just told myself i was like this is just a fucking t-shirt absolutely it's not that big a deal absolutely. like i even thought twice after i sent the email i was like i probably should just send another email after that and just be like honestly not a big deal oh well fuck it yeah so just like you were saying you know you have to be grounded in that respect as well like literally it's it's just clothes they're just shoes you have to be bigger than that i mean that it applies to a lot of things like a lot of the creative people they don't want to be anything else but creative Mm -hmm. and that's just not going to cut it sometimes because um what was i going to say what's my train of thought here um you have to be more than that. Everybody likes to think about their rights and what they're entitled to, but nobody really likes to talk about responsibilities where sometimes you have to put in that hard work and sort of gravitate away from the creative side. You're going to have to have a career. You're going to have to be a professional. You're going to have to be able to deal with people that you don't really have the same philosophies with. And it's really hard to do that if you're so entrenched into, you know, I just want to be creative. This is my vision. This is all I want. Here are my clothes. I like to spend this much on clothes, things yep. like that. It's it's very hard to get away from that because, like I said, you have to be better than that. You have to be a person on a bigger scale. Exactly. You have to be able to give back. You have to be able to put bread on the table and still be yourself. Yep, most definitely. Most definitely. Now, what is next for Sieb in the future? Uh, I'm starting to dabble into video and things like that, but that, I mean, I wouldn't really say that's what's next for me. I just want to be able to have a career and be able to, uh, you know, have something that gets me out of bed. And be able to support my family and things like that. Because, you know, my parents are getting old, you know. And then I got, I got to be able to be the head of the family and things like that. So I don't mind um, being something bigger. Like, my goals was never to be just a photographer or just a person who's into creative stuff. I wanted to be maybe a businessman or I'm going to school for healthcare and things like that. 
but I wanted to be uh, somebody who's more well-rounded. Like, this is Hasib. He does this, and he also is able to take pictures. And that benefits him because he can market his business or he can be creative on the side, blah, blah, blah. Definitely. Yeah. That's what's up. Hell yes. Uh, we're going to do our little Heat of the Week segment real fast and make moves on out of here because I know it's a late Sunday night and we all have <laughs> to, we all got to get to sleep and do our respective things. Uh, speaking of which, end of this month on the 31st, I'm going to be a part of uh, the gallery at Loud Gallery. They have a space for me, so I'm going to have like some of my installations on there. Most definitely, yeah. Uh, shout, shout that out. And uh, You said the 31st? 31st at Loud Gallery. That yeah. would be a Friday this mm-hmm. August. Do you know what time it would be starting at? Oh, I got to look at the flyer. I think it's like 7 to 10. It's like, what a, you know, those, those peak time hours. The normal, yes. The, yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the normal nighttime hours. Exactly. Like, you, you stop by and then you go to do whatever the hell you want to do. Hell yeah. And I was just in Loud Gallery for the No Escape pop-up the other yeah, day. absolutely. That was my first time there. It's pretty dope. Uh, same with me. I mean, we don't have a lot of venues here. Like, we have Hinao, we have Loud, and then there's like one or two more. Yep. Um, they get snatched up pretty quick, and they get used up pretty quick, too. Oh, yeah, man. The DIY venues here, they, they come and go, but, you know, Hanao's doing their thing. They've been doing their thing for a while, and I'm glad to see that Loud is apparently doing their thing as well, because the vibe was dope in there, so. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see how it pans out in the long term. Absolutely. Most, most definitely, most definitely. So, yeah, check out Sieb, August 31st. Friday uh, is a little less than two weeks from now. Yeah, a little less than two weeks from now. Friday night at Loud Gallery. He's going to be showing off some of his shit. And let's get in this heat of the week thing real fast and whatnot. And we can let y'all be on your merry way. Yeah. Still the worst intro song ever. Gonna get it reworked very soon. I just made it on Nice Kicks. <laughs> oh, did it? Oh, shit. That's crazy. Yeah, shouts out to, uh, who was it originally? Was it was it High Snobiety Sneakers? Oh, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk about it then. Basically, fuck them. Heat of the week. First up, this week, we've got some good shit coming for you. I've got one thing that might be a couple weeks old, just because we were actually in New York when this shit dropped, and we were actually trying to go see Homeboy at his album release party when the shit dropped, but shit just didn't work out that way. We'll get to that in a second. I'll leave that last, because, you know, it's a little, it's a couple weeks old, but if you haven't been vibing with it, i got to let you vibe on that shit. First up, Heat of the Week. Excuse me, I had a little burpee. We've got Reese LaFlair, also known as Lil Skate. If you didn't know, he's been seen calling out Lil Nar, all the Lils, because Lil Nar has been posting footage of him on Instagram doing skate tricks with full-on automatic rifles in his hands and whatnot, saying that he's the best skater, rapper, <laughs> combination. And uh, Reese LaFlair, the man's got tricks. The man's got tricks, and he's been talking shit since Lil Nar has been putting that shit out. Anyways, Reese just dropped his first album, debut album, self-titled, Reese LaFlair, and the man is a skate, and as he would put it in his own terms, a drip legend as well. I'm hyped on, uh, I'm hyped that Reese has been doing good shit, because, I mean, he's, he's straight up skateboarder, and 
a lot of skaters have been fucking with him, or excuse me, been fucking with him for a long time. So it's good to see him with a nice little release like this, especially some dope people featured on the album. Not going to play the song, but there's an honorable mention. I will shout out to Pusha, who got on this shit. Some fire, fire shit from Pusha on there, Shout man. out to Burns, by the way. He's the guy who did the, the album cover. He's from here. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I okay. don't know him personally, but I, I've followed him for a while now, back when he had like no followers, and he's, he's popping now. He did the, the album cover. I fucked up because I had a chance to interview Reese when he was playing at Space Bar uh-huh. like a year and a half or two years ago. Yeah. And I think I just went to sleep. Like I just, I was supposed to go to the show and we were supposed to come Can't here. Can't be doing things like that, man. Dude, <laughs> dude. It's like, this. Is, we're talking about a show with Reese where there was only like 30 people there probably. Like that's it. And then supposed to go to that show, supposed to walk here because Space Bar is so close to here. Supposed to walk here and do a podcast immediately afterwards. Didn't do it. A year later, blows the fuck up. Wait, so he agreed to it and everything and just flaked? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, oh, I, I just man. flaked. Because no. my homies know him. Like, my homies are, are good homies with him. And they're from Georgia as well. And they set it up, all that shit, and your boy just flaked pretty you much. You can't sleep on anyone. That's why you got to be supportive of all your friends. I learned that one the hard way. That is for sure. The hard lesson there. Absolutely. That's, that's what I've uh, I've taken that one to heart, that specific experience. And then this other experience from other, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly who it was that said it, but they always say, like, always say yes to the business meeting. You know, don't say no to the business meeting. Always go and hear people out and hear what they have to yeah, say. Absolutely. So I definitely said no to the business meeting in that <laughs> experience. And that was one of the that was one of my my main uh, main initiatives to not be that fucking asshole anymore. So Reese LaFlair, new album dropped. Name of the song we're gonna be listening to is I Got the Clout. <laughs> which is apparently like a hated thing nowadays but i remember clout when it was good gangstar it's very fitting to what we we're talking about today exactly yes it was yes it is so i got the clout racial flair yeah 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 you can feel free to comment on the songs too while we're talking oh, over if you're feeling it, if you're not feeling it, oh my God. trash it as much as you like. Shoot out the roof, pockets gon' be. Check out the swoosh, I got the clout. Check out the cool, chop out the spot, shoot up your Uber. Come up the rats, I want the moolah. I can't hit on this just because I know it's gonna sound amazing in a car. Oh, I know, I know. Prime driving music. Yes, yes it is. And then the the Mr. Miyagi reference here, sauce off, sauce on. Like, <laughs> cannot hate on that, Reese. Cannot hate on that. That's what I'm saying. I need like two twelves in a banging ass expedition or something for something like this. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to just have something at home where I could just have an amazing setup. I'm not there yet, though. One of these days. One of these days. I don't really know anything about audio and all that stuff. Neither do I. That's, that's kind of disheartening to hear from you, though. <laughs> we're full with mics in a room right now. I know, I know audio things to this degree, but nah, nah, not so much like with speakers and whatnot. Yeah, I never really cared to look into it. As you can see, I have one of these speaker monitors hooked up, and the other one not hooked up at all. Doesn't even work. <laughs> it works. I just can't figure out how to get it to work. That's all. <laughs> I basically need like a new mixing board altogether. Like it, it's a whole fucking thing. Let's not even get into that. 
hustle cause they wanna be on Capping ass nigga, you'll never be known Nothing but hundreds in my money phone I know, I know, little lad nigga tryna be dead like me, right? I know, right? Stop, I know, I know, little lad nigga said make another one, alright They want the beef, I got Angus I'm on Bruce Banner cause I get the green when I'm angry Got all the clothes and the hoses are dreaming about it You hated them, I feel offended Left full of water and pond, so that's Indies Grinding like I was skateboarding no Indies Honestly, bitch, I do not like your energy uh, My sauce on infinity Pull up on scene, shoot out the boot Gotta give it to Reese. He's actually spitting too. You know, I I enjoy all the all the different types of hip hop. You know, mm-hmm. all your variations, your mumble and whatnot. Cause you gotta give credit to people. Like I I, I don't know. It's, I I don't go out of my way to hate on people unless your shit is completely fucking whack. Yeah, I don't get hung up on that anymore. I used to be like the whole I only listen to real hip hop and all that. But oh, trust me, yes, definitely. It takes just as much of skill to have something flow and sound good. You know? Exactly. There's a reason that those motherfuckers are basically the new rock stars Absolutely. of. Our, of our era so you gotta recognize you gotta recognize game that's for sure but when people like Reese come through and can get on that shit and spit too you know it, it definitely makes me happy Reese LaFlair name of the song is I Got the Clout peep the new album Reese LaFlair next up Heat of the Week we have a new release from Blood Orange you just did uh, excuse me debuted this on the Jimmy Kimmel show new song from the new album that has not been released yet and it's featuring ASAP Rocky and Project Pat. Shout out to some down south realness with Project Pat. Because, I mean, that's some ill shit right there. We're talking about one of the... Blood Orange? Never heard of him. Yeah, he's a... Excuse me. He's this... Almost like a one-man band, I guess you could say. Uh Uh-huh. His real name is Dev Hines. He's been making just kind of weird, ambient-type, electronic uh, kind of soul music at the same time Mm -hmm. slash indie slash everything it's like very experimental stuff uh but this is a new song new album coming out soon called negro swan actually (laughs) (laughs) i like that negro swan thank you blood orange name of the song is chewing gum like i said it's featuring asap rocky and project pat we're gonna have a lovely little audience feedback here from the jimmy kimmel audience so The airbrush on his t-shirt is miraculous because it says Negro on the shirt. Pretty amazing. Yeah, he's a New York dude, and he talks uh, he talks pretty openly about having, what is it, synesthesia? Like the same thing Jimi Hendrix had, where he doesn't hear colors. Or excuse me, he doesn't hear music. He sees it in colors, basically. Interesting. Yeah, so it's like it's like a, a disassociation between the way that his senses work, and that's the same thing that Jimi Hendrix was. He didn't hear music; he saw music, which is crazy to think about. Kangol's pretty fire too, not gonna lie. The whole vibe and the style is pretty great. Oh yeah. Kinda reminds me of, uh, what was his name? He's kind of been quiet, London Theophilus. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. He has been quiet for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. But he used to be in the whole ASAP camp and everything. Uh, 
I expected something to come out of it. He never did. Yeah, man. Yeah, a lot of Blood Orange's stuff is just like this. It's like very moody and vibey. Yes, for sure, for sure. That's dope. Probably gonna stop it before we get to ASAP though, just cause we got time to do things. We gotta get shit done around here. Ooh, rocking the off-white glasses. Okay, I see you, bro. <laughs> I see you, bro. But yeah, Blood Orange, Pete the new album. Coming out very soon. Negro Swan. Name of the song is Chewing Gum. And of course I I go out right when Rocky starts rapping, but it's it is what it is. Okay, we've heard Rocky before. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's not like he hasn't been seen before. That is for sure. Yeah, name of the song is Chewing Gum, featuring ASAP Rocky and Project Pat. Peep that new album coming out. Last up, Heat of the Week, real fast for you. I alluded to it at the start of this, and we almost, almost got to go to the album release party in New York if we had actually, like, actually tried to go. <laughs> there was like a moment there where we were all wondering what we should do, and. Next thing I know, it's there's like, so much going on. Yeah, oh yeah, there was it was a lot going on as New York usually is. So we we didn't get a chance to go out to the album release party in New York, which would have been dope because you know it was Florida putting on in New York, Florida homies out there. We would we would have repped hard, but it's it's no big deal. Denzel Curry, new album just came out. It's called Taboo, and the name of the song that I'm gonna be playing for y'all. Today, I didn't know which one I wanted to play because there's a lot that I like, but I didn't know which one I want to do. I know which one I'm going to do, though, and it is not showing up for me right Oh, there we go. Okay, name of the song today that we are going to listen to for Denzel Curry. It's a little vibey. It's almost like a G-Funk feel to it, I, I want to say. <laughs> name of the song is Cash Maniac. Sober now, completely too. Uh, no, I'm not sure what his story is now. I mean, I like how he's breaking out creativity. Yeah, most definitely. Um, initially, I would thought he would be really reserved and not willing to try things like this. But I mean, the whole face paint and the whole exhibition and the vibe he has with it's pretty dope. Oh yeah, like the whole album definitely took a whole turn for sure. I mean, especially if people have been following him since like Raider Clan shit back in the day. You know, yeah. Raider Clan was just straight hood shit like straight up hood shit you never really know somebody right you just what what they're hiding what they want to do exactly i know yeah but no i'm i'm pretty sure he's like completely sober like completely sober very much so on like the health tip all that shit like this whole album he on multiple songs he's basically just shooting shots at like people 
on the perks and whatnot. I mean, it's gone to that point though. Like, you, you can't be so comfortable with everybody doing everything. You know, exactly. that whole try everything once ideology needs to get fixed. Yep, most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, Denzel Curry. Album is Taboo. New shit. Name of the song is Cash Maniac. Go peep that shit. Support the Florida homie. He's been doing it for a minute. And he's actually going to be in Orlando in October at the Beecham. So go on and ride out to that shit, too. That's going to be pretty crazy. I think Ski Mask is going to be here this week, I think. I'm pretty sure it's this week. Or it might be next week. Same venue? Or maybe it's September. It's one of the two. I can't fucking remember. But yeah, same venue. Oh, that's dope. Oh, yeah. Ski Mask and Denzel there. Ooh, buddy. Those are some uh, some, <laughs> some turn-up fests, to say the least. <laughs> so, my homie C, that's pretty much all of our time for today. I'd like to thank you for coming in. No, I mean, I appreciate this. I mean, uh, it's funny how we met in New York, and it was nice for you to invite me here into your home and, you know, show me how everything works. I really appreciate the, the work behind everything here. And, you know, it's just... It's an honor to be among the lineup. You know, two episode what two ten you said two ten yeah man. That's a lot of people that who I think are way better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense. Um, but yeah, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you be part of the squad. And inshallah, we're all gonna go up. Most definitely, man. Hey, and I appreciate y'all for welcoming myself into into that squad. You know the way it was because I I I was definitely like the odd man out. You know, walking in there, but you know, I, it didn't feel like that at all. No, I mean. It, I didn't think of it that way. No. I mean, it wasn't like that at all, you know? The it's funny thing is, everybody was, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It wasn't very close-knit, that, that roster, if that makes sense. It's not like we all talk all the time or something like that. Yep. Um, but it definitely feels like that now. Now it feels like more close-knit than before. For sure. Sort of everybody collided in accident almost. Most definitely. If you have any final shout-outs, any last words you would like to say to the world, now is your time, sir. Uh, well, I pretty much did that with my last sentence. Ah, true that. <laughs> true that. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thanks again, man. Very, I appreciate this. Indeed, no problem. And go peep his uh, photos on the Instagram. Website, Instagram, whatever. Yes, indeed. And you can follow myself personally on Twitter at the Steez Trap and on Instagram at the Steez Trap. And with all that good shit aside, we are out of here for today, y'all. Take care of each other. Much peace and love.